0: Rocket Nursing. And today I am so excited to bring to you a new guest, Trisha Richardson, who owns as a master's degree, a bachelor's, RN, multiple certifications, and is a board certified nurse executive, certified medical surgical, registered nurse with close to 30 years of business and healthcare experience, holding several leadership positions in clinical education, operations management, and oversight for numerous successful organizational change initiatives. Currently, she is a candidate for president-elect for North Carolina Nurses Association. So exciting. And a fun fact, while her healthcare career spans both acute and post-acute care, before nursing, Trish was a licensed stockbroker and also worked in corporate accounting. But that story is for another day because Trish today currently works as the Director of Post-Acute Care Solutions for Relias. And we are so excited to have you here, Trish. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, Rebecca. It's an absolute joy to be here. Happy to be here with you. Well, here is what we want to know. I mean, you have had a tremendous career and your career did not start first in nursing. And I'm really curious to hear how you got into nursing and what inspired your work today in health and healthcare.
1: Oh my goodness. I would say, so first off, yeah, I have, I started out as a stockbroker. I I really did. I always wanted to get into accounting and I still love accounting. So I'm kind of like that nurse who was a stockbroker first. That's pretty much me. So I have the, this business mindset to everything that we do, but it's wrapped with a clinical wrapper, right? So I, I always wanted to get into accounting, loved finance, worked as a corporate accountant as well, stayed home mom. That was an opportunity to be able to be home with my boys. And my sister is a nurse. She's younger than I am, but she has a few years more experience than I do. My mom always wanted to be a nurse. So my sister said, still stay home with the boys, come work at, uh, with us at Rex." you know, on the weekends, do the heart monitors. I'm like, A, I don't like blood. B, still don't like blood, but I'll try it. So I got in and I never looked back. So I started out with my associate's degree in nursing and my bachelor's in nursing and then my master's in nursing leadership and healthcare administration. So 17 years in acute space, two and a half in post-acute and now uh, working as uh, the director of post-acute care solutions that rely us with clinical oversight and driving the post-acute care practice for our organization. What I love about nursing though, my my whole idea is bettering the life of another. I, when I was a stockbroker, I would prepare these individualized financial plans and profiles for my clients. And I loved it. I would literally sit at the kitchen table, walking with them, talking with them, helping them to secure financial health and wellness. So then nursing... It's that holistic view of their overall wellness picture. So caring for another in a different environment really is the same for me. I still get to care for somebody else. That's the goal in
0: the end. That is a really interesting jump, Stock worker into basically uh, the world of nursing and seeing it through the lens of caring for another in just a very different, very different way. You're dealing with financial assets on one side, and then you're dealing, honestly, with human health on the other. So, you know, today, tell us just a little bit about how you got to where you are today. And could you tell us a little bit also about the scope of what you do in your organization and and what you work on on a day-to-day basis? Oh, my goodness. How much time do we have? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh! Wow.
1: So yeah, when I moved over from you know finance into nursing, I was at the bedside. Literally, I worked nights for about nine and a half years on an intermediate care pulmonary nephrology unit. Loved everything that I did. I was able to move up as an assistant manager and then into education at the service line, and then led multiple initiatives for our hospital. And I thought I was there for 17 years, and I thought. There's more, there's got to be a little bit more. And so I left the acute space, went into corporate clinical leadership in the post-acute space as an education consultant and director of education, uh, and was responsible for the education and training and learning and development for 16,000 employees. So it was a big ask, uh, and it introduced me in that moment to Relias. So that was about six years ago. And so I, I honestly, uh, at that point, I thought, what a great organization. Just kind of kept that in the back of my head. Moved into work for uh, Allscripts for about a year and a half and led a clinical excellence team there. We were doing work in the acute space, looking at predictive analytics and rolling forecast and budget and how what decisions that nurses make in the moment affects everything. We're talking overhead. We're looking at, you know, your pounds of laundry that you're using and why the decisions are being made in the finance office, why they're not communicated to the nurses, because we know how to make a decision. We know what's right for our, for our patients, right? So that was my role is to talk with them about how our tool would help impact the nurses and empower nurse leaders on the front lines. To make decisions in real time and really get through some of the the red tape of you know clinical variation or labor variation, justify the variances rather than doing that. You're actually proactively leaning in and adjusting on the fly. So it's pretty cool. And then come had an opportunity to come and work uh, as a director of post acute care solutions for Relias. And I am I am so thrilled to be here for so many reasons because the work that we're doing is actually impacting millions and millions of lives around the world. It's pretty it's pretty exciting. And um, so, my role as director is, again, advancing that cl- the practice, uh, our solutions uh, for post acute care, also collaborating, working in, in mar- with our marketing, our enablement, demand gen, um, actually speaking at our annual convention next month. Uh, and I'm also, they're very supportive of me in my pursuit uh, as a candidate for president elect of NCNA. So, yeah, it's been just, it's been a blur, but it's been such a blessing to, to get wow. to where I'm at.
0: Well, I'd love one that you are running for a leadership position within our nursing leadership organizations because it is so important that those of us in healthcare and those who have been on the corporate side start to be more involved with our nursing associations and meaning. Because one thing that I, I know when I talk to nursing associations, there's over 1,800 of them across the United States. This is a massive amount. Nurses really don't understand all the time the business of healthcare. And the truth is to make that impact can be absolutely critical. And so I think, you know, you know, when I'm talking to you today, what about what you are doing either with Relias and also, I think talking also about, you know, your goals for the future of nursing and and running it for president of one of the, the, you know, the North Carolina Nursing Association, what do you do different and better than perhaps what currently exists in the market today? Oh my gosh. For me, the
1: biggest thing is, again, going back and being able to impact lives, whether it's the patients' lives or residents' lives, community as a whole. For me, I want to take a, I take a different view of nursing leadership, right? Because you don't have to have a title. That's, I come down on that and I spoke at that at a convention last year and I talked about cultivating finance and nursing collaboration. Kind of can't take the business hat off the nurse or the nurse out of the business, uh, business woman. So for me, it's taking the other perspective, flipping the conversation and going, okay, how do we make it right for the entire organization? How are the nurses who desire and and aspire to be leaders, who are emerging leaders in and of their own right, don't have a title? And then from the nursing perspective as student nurses, how do I get them engaged today? What can I do to help them to understand that they need to be heard now? And we celebrate that. We also need them to become engaged. Every day after graduation, once you, you know, the letters are in when they're wet on your badge and you're there and you just want to take care of people, you need to continue to take care of your profession and to encourage and inspire others to come alongside you. And I don't call it the fight. I call it the journey to nursing excellence. I don't call it the fight, right? It's a journey. For example, like the SAVE Act in North Carolina, trying to push forward legislation to allow nurse practitioners, advanced practice registered nurses, to be able to practice to the, large, uh, to the fullest extent of their scope. We're not changing their scope of practice. We're just taking some of the archaic laws and burdensome financial regulations on top of that, making it easier for them to get out into the rural parts of our communities and expanding access, making, help taking care of health equity, if you will, and writing the inequity that is that is apparent and, a, and appalling, in my opinion, that we're not caring for each other in North Carolina across all 100 beautiful counties. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get out there. So the SAVE Act is important and inspiring others that are in non-traditional roles of nursing. My perspective, again, is looking at each individual, not in their vertical, but breaking down the silos at the, at the student level, working with public health nurses, school nurses. Why don't we have school nurses back in the schools again? Not 76 schools in one county, in one half of one county, really encouraging more of that involvement across the board, across all areas and all paths of nursing, because it's not just immediate bedside. You've got nurses in leadership. We've got the biggest nurses on boards, council, the big initiative that we did hit 10,000 nurses on boards. And I'm proud to be a part of three different boards right now. So excited to champion and encourage others who never thought their voice really mattered who had never had the opportunity to speak up and speak out on issues that are relevant and important to them, and just being their champion, reaching across the the proverbial aisle and being a voice of the legislature, you know, getting involved there and encouraging, you know, getting, talking to universities and helping them to understand the value of how we need to value our, our students coming up. Talk about active, well, activism, right? Getting involved early and often in legislature. Again, my take on it is, just be more open-minded to all viewpoints and celebrating the diversity of nursing as it is today and helping to expand access throughout North Carolina and encouraging others on the journey to their own nursing
0: excellence. I mean, there is, there is such a wealth of knowledge there and opportunity to look at how you're looking at North Carolina and how you expand access to care, utilizing the nurse to do so. And I think just to bring that back, I think that a lot of people don't necessarily understand when nurses talk about going to the full scope of their license, both, uh, you know, our bachelor's prepared and then our nurse practitioners. I think that, you know, something that we should talk about is what do you feel people need to know in this area that perhaps they don't know in the rest- what we would receive as sometimes restrictive processes in place? that are preventing both nurses and nurse practitioners from practicing to their full scope of license. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think the general public, we say this all the time to nurses, to each other, we get what we're talking about, but I don't think in general population has any idea that there is any limitations or if there are limitations, what they are in, in a way that impacts them. So can you translate this to, the, to our audience so they can understand Absolutely.
1: I will do my best. It, it is, it can't get kind of muddied, but I would say, you know, with respect to the SAVE Act in North Carolina and what we're trying to push forward and have been for over eight years. So I am not an, an advanced practice nurse. I do have my master's in nursing, but I don't have that advanced practice layer, if you will, but I have colleagues that are APRNs and I've talked with them within NCNA, and within the state. So what the SAVE Act is, is we're trying to say the uh, advanced practice nurses, right? They have to have a physician sign off On the work that they do. They don't have to be in the same practice. They don't have to be in the same county. They could be one on the coast and then they have a physician who signs off and they meet with them once a year to sign off, you know, to get, well now virtually because of COVID. And they literally are paying these physicians, if you will, for their oversight, which really isn't oversight. It's a layer of bureaucracy. And what they're saying is we want to remove that layer because we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month that an advanced practice nurse has to pay. So that's all we're trying to do is pull that away. We're not advancing their scope. We're just allowing them to practice to the fullest extent of their scope of licensure. From and, and Trisha,
0: just, I think that the, the question that the audience is, you know what, your nurses. Why shouldn't a physician oversee your scope of practice and sign off that you're practicing safe and effective care? So um, I was a former nurse practitioner I'm going to definitely chime in after this, but I would love to hear your opinion on this as well, because I think that there is a this conception out there and there's a, you know, there's, it appears a logical reason that nurses have always reported to doctors. And, you know, this, this would make how the standard of care, uh, make sure that we are, are able to deliver good care when it's reviewed by uh, physician-based colleagues. Explain this why it's not necessary for that to happen to deliver quality care.
1: Right. Absolutely. And and speaking on behalf of the, my friends that are in that area, I'm definitely not a nurse practitioner or an APRN, but from what I understand is they have hundreds of hours of training that they go to and go through for that additional certification and scope of practice if they want to become certified as a geriatric or I'm trying to think of the terms, but they have to go through, they have their master's degree. Yes. But then they also go through additional hours of training, both under supervised um, practice, if you will. So they have that additional training already there. And so from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in the reports and in the news is that they they have this ability to be able to practice individually. And North Carolina is only one of a handful of states that still has that layer that says, yeah, we still want you to pay a physician. And when I've gone to the legislature, I've talked to the, some of the senators and I've asked, so what is it? Tell me what the barrier is. What are you hearing from your constituents? One in particular said to me about, was before COVID, so two years ago. He's like, Trish, you know, I've got a friend who's an anesthesiologist and he's just really afraid. I'm like, well, let me talk to you about that for a second. So the anesthesiologist isn't necessarily at that head of bed in the OR, that's gonna be a CRNA. Now, yes, they're gonna float, they're gonna be there, Possibly, but you're going to have a CRNA at the head of bed. So for me, what I what I think of this when I think about this additional layer of financial burden, if you will, it's that you already have as nurse practitioners, APRNs, you have additional training, hundreds of hours of training on top of your master's degree, of that the additional scope, right? You're not in most cases. They're using this as an opportunity for the physicians. They're actually just get they getting the monies associated with this supervision but there's no actual supervision. So I hope I said that right, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not an APRN, but just the, the research I've done and what I've seen in practice, that's my understanding of this and why I'm so passionate about it. If there's no realized value for the patients, there may not, may some, but if there's no true realized value, why are other states like New Jersey just signed off and said, sure.
0: Yes, and so I think that we can look at this from an access point problem, which I think you're talking about. We know that for the past several decades, those that are becoming physicians are no longer going into primary care. And primary care we know is at the front end of doing treatments and diagnosing for the general population. What we know is this dramatic shortness of access to primary care practitioners in the greater system of healthcare is leading patients to get sicker, worse, and more clinically acute by the time they are seen in hospital systems or by doctors. What we know is nurse practitioners who are trained in a array serve excellently in the space of primary care. What we're finding is MENDEs actually certify, they become into specialized areas, And nurse practitioners step into that void in the primary care market or in small subspecialties where most physicians do not operate and provide access to care for larger quantities of patients. It is not that they practice independently necessarily from healthcare. They just are able to have their own practice and not be burdened by financial pressures or limitations and scopes of work that are basically defined by an archaic system that would handcuff nurse practitioners to systems that necessarily don't drive better outcomes, but limit access to care. So the idea of this expanded access is to basically do exactly what you're hoping to accomplish, which is increase access to care for the patients who need the most, who do not have access to doctors in the first place. So it made perfect sense to go forward and do these things. So I'm so glad we had this conversation because I don't think that people in healthcare necessarily understand That when you empower nurses, when you expand their scope of practice, they're going to be able to change access for all of those people who do not have access. And there is so much need that the more that we can do that, the better we're going to do. So tell me something, because I think that when we're, we're talking about this world and you're running for president of the North Carolina Nurses Association, what is a time that you have seen nurses provide a really great solution to a problem?
1: Oh goodness, um, there! I'm just I'm thinking. I mean, there's so many things that that I've seen just in my practice and over the years. Well, let's go to the post-acute space. So in the post-acute space, we knew as a clinical education team that we, as an organization wanted to see an increase in some of those you know, higher acuity admissions. We also wanted to empower our nurse education leaders, the boots on the ground leaders out in the field. So we intentionally designed a new education around some of these targeted high acuity patients like infusion therapy, trachs, and ventilator patients. And we encouraged and inspired those nurse educators to then become trainers, like a train the trainers. We designed this whole plan and we were actually able to realize true benefits in the organization. So our team came together, designed programs, offered continuing education credits as well. We did blended learning, which is something that hadn't been done in a while in the organization. And we were able to improve those admissions and improve the standing of our organization, get those acute partners to go, oh, well, they can take those patients, better quality outcomes. But in the end, it was really empowering the nurse leaders at the bedside the ones the nurse educators who could then train their staff on how to take care of some of those patients so it was taking a look and realizing we had this initiative from in the corporate corporate initiative and go how can we do this what can we do we got huddled together made intentional progress designed intentional programs to then inspire the educators, train them up to train their staff, and then improve the care quality and outcomes for those patients that were starting to roll in as a result of the programs that we kicked off.
0: I I love this. And could you give that like a little bit more of a personal perspective, like what that meant? You know, it's great to hear that all these patients came in, but is there one that sort of stands out to you to make this, you know, a little bit more human uh, to the, the project?
1: Oh gosh, absolutely. So, and one of the things that I did when we would do these trainings, right? We would offer the train the trainers. I would go out, our team would go out into the different regions, and we would go and watch these education, these nurse educators train. That was something that they had not been able to do before. They had the education, but not this level of education, this specific around infusion patients and, and trachs and vents. So, we would go out, and I would sit back and watch. And some of them would come up to me after the class and I talked about the evaluation, how I thought they did. And some of them literally were in tears and said, I can't believe I just gave my first class. My administrators and my directors of nursing are looking at me like, you rocked it. They had such their head, they had their held up and their shoulders back and thought, I just made a difference. I just educated my staff and our staff. I should say, and we're gonna be able to take better care of our patients we have now and then take better care later. They were empowered, they were emboldened. One of them in particular decided to go back and actually become a nurse practitioner. So she left her education role, went back into the hospital, into into an intensive care unit to get some of that skill base up. She was empowered to further her education. I think part of this process that we were involved in when I was at this post-acute organization is to realize the benefit, watching the education, there were 60 or 70 nurse educators, watching them shine, watching them rise to the occasion and realize that, hey, they are a leader. They can improve best practice. Uh, clinical excellence in the moment. And it was just inspiring for me to watch them rise up and then inspire others to say, okay, I can really do this. And it was just those moments like that, being with the boots on the ground, watching them to you know facilitate these trainings and just sit back and let them know how proud we were of them. And, and literally for them to say, I'd never felt this level of empowerment or success and felt so good about my work here than today. Like in those days when we were on the boots on the ground, it was phenomenal. Just
0: a personal (laughs) yay. I love that. So Trish, Trish, as we were just talking about, I mean, you have seen tremendous, incredible results when nurses come together and do everything that they need to do when they're given the opportunity to really succeed. So I think the question that, you know, you've had such a profound career, jumping from, you know, financial background into nursing and then leading massive teams and driving change at institutional levels across both acute to a pretty, I mean, you've touched almost every aspect of healthcare in some kind of capacity. But what have you felt that has been one of your biggest setbacks that you've experienced? And what is like a key learning that you've taken away from that?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. When I saw some of the the notes about what we might be talking about today and I was blown away by the questions and I thought, it really got me thinking. So I would say probably one of the biggest setbacks I have had. I was back, I was still in the acute space and I I was going after another, a nurse manager role and I really wanted it. I was prepped, my friend. I mean, I had my 30, 60, 90 plan. I knew what I was going to do with the physician practices. I knew what I was going to do with the staff because I had been familiar with the staff for several, several years. Um, I went in, I was one of the final two candidates and I didn't get it. And it was probably the fourth time I had gone after another position in leadership in the organization. And I took it, and I'm like, okay, this is okay. So my manager calls me, right? She calls me, and she says, Trish, just wanted to let you know that I don't know Jill. We should say Jill. She, you know, she got the position. You didn't get it. And I said, that's okay. And my manager, my manager said, are you are you okay? I'm like, yes, ma'am. I said because it's Jill's journey. It's not mine. It's her time. It's not mine. So in that moment, it actually happened to be my birthday when I got that call. So I'm like, really? But it's such a gift, right? I felt so blessed to have been a candidate. I was blessed to have the rejection because it wasn't. It was a redirect. It was after 17 years. It's like God knew it was time for me to scoop. So he had work for me to do. And I was open to it. And within two weeks time, I had this role in post-acute care. And then I thought I took the opportunity as, as just that. It was an opportunity to, to pivot. And to be flexible and, and lean into my faith and go, God's got me, you know, it's it's like I'm redirecting you, Trish. let's move. So I did. And then I got to I got to be a part of an amazing clinical education leadership team in this organization at the PAC organization. And we were able to inspire 60 to 70 nurse educators in the region, in those states, go out and watch them shine. And then I was able to scoot over and go to work at All Scripts and do some work there and then come back to Relias. And now I'm a part of this organization that is impacting nurses and non-clinicians and leadership, you know, around the world. It's just amazing to me that I, I'm still humble to this day and so thankful for the rejection and celebrating that you know, Jill getting the job, celebrated her into the leadership team that we were on uh, and watched her shine for the short time that I was still there, that it was. I took that no and just, it empowered me. And it just, to me, it helped me to understand that I'm really not in control of my destiny. I need to be open to where God is, is directing. And this is today is where he wants me to be today. And I'm open to whatever he has for me tomorrow.
0: I'm really glad that you heard this because I think so many people end up in this place um, when employment and their careers, they don't get that next promotion and they see it as a door shutting, right? And I think I'm that I, in my life, right, um, when things haven't worked out the way that I thought and a door shut or it feels like it wasn't going forward, it was simply meant to go in a different direction, just like what you said. And I think so many people need to hear that message that when a door shuts, a window opens and sometimes, and you know, I, I know you reference God, I'm not a super uh, religious person. But I do believe that sometimes things get really hard and really tough or in certain ways that it is a way of a sign to sit there and say, you can grow, you can go on. And to your point, God or whoever that is out there saying to you, I have something different. You have to do more. We don't want you to stay here. Just go and evolve. And I, I think that's such an important lesson. I really appreciate you sharing that because I also think it's very humbling because so many people do not share that they have been rejected or, and, and that is, just, it's part of the journey and how you respond to it is so important. There was something that um, you said a little bit earlier. It's you, you obviously are running for this position as the president in, in North Carolina, because you have a lot of hope for the future of nursing. And as you list it out, you have a lot of ambition about things that we can change. So what are you most excited about today when you are looking at nursing? Because we have come out of a dark year, right? Like it has been a dark COVID and we're entering into a third surge and it just feels yeah. It's hard sometimes to maintain the hope and the positivity and the excitement, but what are you excited about coming down the pipeline? Oh my
1: goodness. I, you know, in running for, you know, president-elect for NCNA one, and I think we talked a little bit about it before it's the opportunity to inspire others and to help nurses to gain the recognition. You know, it's not that I want my name out there. I want nursing out there. I want the world to see, we've been celebrated for in almost 20 years now, I guess, is like the most respected title. And I have, I'm not anymore uh, at the bedside, right? I've been gone from the bedside um, since 2016, a direct bedside. For me, it's more about how can I champion for those that are that are there? How can I champion for the school nurses? What about the nurse informaticists? What about the ones in post-acute who don't usually get the respect that their acute partners get? Well, you're you have the same education you have this you're taking care of the same people the same diseases you're taking care of those individuals that still need you you still have this this voice this inner voice within you that needs to be celebrated and nurtured you don't have to have a title so it's for me it's i get excited about the opportunities because nursing is on a stage where i feel like People say, well, you're heroes don't know how you do it. Well, I am a volunteer. I am a volunteer in North Carolina. I've gone out and I've been a part of the COVID vaccination clinics. And I've worked and volunteered in the nursing homes early on in the pandemic. And I saw what was going on in real time. And I can tell you that some of the nurses that I've been associated with in my volunteering, for me, I have become, I walk away from those interactions even more, even more empowered. Um, I, at the COVID vaccination clinics, what excites me is that interaction again with the patients in the community. That, I mean, that just inspires me literally, you know, having, you know, volunteered early on at the bedside in nursing homes. And when, you know, we had the first vaccination clinic here in in North Carolina at the PNC Arena, the very first day, it was like 38 degrees, rain, nasty. But I'm literally, we were, you know, We, we took care of a couple thousand people in one day. I would literally run up to every car, masked everything, you know, and I would shout happy COVID vaccination day. And they're like crying. They're so happy. And some of them would look at me and go, you're kind of crazy. I'm like, I know. But if you can say happy and COVID in the same sentence, I'm like, go for it. Go for it. Because that is that community interaction that I feel like we're reaching out to them. So it's all about meeting them where they are. Just like you do in the hospital, it's that non-traditional setting where nursing, that we're getting out there. So what excites me is the opportunity of visibility for nurses at all levels, the opportunity to champion for, for nursing students to become more engaged and empowered. I mean, look at what they were able to do to say, yes, you graduate pre-license, come on out, come on out and support, get in the community or, you know, get in the hospitals, do what you can, and then, you know, then take your, you know, go take your NCLEX. We won't say that word anymore. But I think about the opportunities that are here, doors that are open, opportunities to get involved in the state and local level, national level, furthering the message of, of nurses and all that we bring. You know, my colleagues that are still on the bedside and others, they're all heroes, but it's more than that. We want to come out and take care of the most vulnerable and, and not the underprivileged. We have just underserved them. So it's about getting out into the community and championing for that inclusivity and to write the inequalities that are more apparent than ever. So there are a lot of things that really motivate and inspire me. And to be able to speak on behalf of the nurses in North Carolina at the state level, and then supporting our message at the national level. I think this time, as it's the second year of the nurse and midwife, it's the time that we need to continue to raise our collective voices, whether you have a title or not. If you are a nurse, you have a voice.
0: You no, know, Trisha, it's so great to have you on Outcomes Rocket Nursing because I think that you are such an advocate and you do such an excellent job portraying the value that nurses have to changing the future of healthcare and all of the ways that they can quantify and have this impact. And so my question to you is now that we're wrapping up, but tell me, how can people find you? Where can they find you to get in touch with you, especially nurses and those who are working in healthcare in North Carolina? If you're looking for an incredible nursing leader and voice and you know, strategist in in this space, you know, getting in touch with you, I think is going to have a ton of value because everybody that I start to hear from is how can I find a nurse who has some of this business experience, some of this knowledge, and because it is that incredible combination that is just blowing up opportunity. So how can people find you, Trish? Oh my gosh. So I am on
1: LinkedIn. I'm
0: also on Twitter,
1: Patricia Richardson I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me under hashtag nurse who was a stockbroker first. And uh, let's see, on Twitter, I think I'm at Trishy Rich or T-R-I-S-H-Y-R-I-C-H. Uh, and then my email address is P as in Patricia, and then Richardson. So Richardson at relias.com, R-E-L-I-A-S.com.
0: Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today to Outcomes Rocket Nursing. Um, we are hoping to bring you some of the best and rising aspiring nursing leaders in the country, if not around the world, who are changing the face of nursing and doing extraordinary things. Trish, wishing you the best of luck in your campaign. Keep us posted on what happens, and we so look forward to you you all tuning into the next episode that we have. Thank you, Trish. Thank you so much. It's been a great time with you.